The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series authored by Mercedes Lackey, Dennis Lee, Cody Martin, with Larry Dixon and Veronica Jaguer. Read and produced by Veronica Jaguer. Suffer, Part 3. Written by Mercedes Lackey and Dennis Lee. The next 30 seconds or so went past in a blur. The spell required willpower, magic energy, and something physical from both parties, and the ability to twist your mind through the complex mathematical equations that flung one soul into another body. Then came the spinning, disorientation of the thing taking hold. She already had the second spell to clear the gas out of him queued up. It fired as she took possession. Then she was there, and with it her first clear thought— Footsteps, many of them, and moving fast. She was up, riding a wave of adrenaline as she flung herself against the corner. There were people she needed to take out without killing them, and she acted on instinct and training, but with a body that responded instantly and didn't fight her or seize up without warning. The first came around a corner and gaped at her. She got his baton off his belt before he even started to move. Holy crap, Red's fast! Proper application of force to the right point on his head, and he was down, and she was on to the next, who didn't even know she was there when she hit him. The third did, but he was only human. No way he could counter her in time. Then the fourth who got a shot off that ricocheted off the wall behind her before she knocked him out cold, and then... It was over. Two minutes, from start to finish. That was when she doubled over, suddenly overwhelmed with sensory overload. It hurt, and she was struck by a wave of panic. No, it wasn't fair. Even now, even out of her scarred and broken body, she felt her skin flare up and bombard her with jagged needles, twisting mercilessly. But it wasn't all pain. Some of it was... My God. My God. It was like having skin radar. She was aware of everything. It all piled on top of her, and she almost passed out. I'm... I'm in his skin. Why does it hurt? I can't pass out now. She fought it, sorted through it, just the same as when she had to sort through spell weaving or computer hacking or the combination of the two. Unraveled it. This was the radar, and it could go over there, and this was the heat sense, and this... This was the pain. His pain. Not unlike hers. Really, the only difference was... Was that his body still worked. Hers didn't. That was the only difference. Jeebus, Red, she thought, with the force and direction that she needed to talk to the person whose body she was riding. I had no idea. She waited for his response. There was no response. The hell? He had let the fog come as he knew it would, as he had trained himself to so long ago. Granted, it was easier this time, what with the Ermayan doing its thing. But before, there had been another red, a foolish, reckless boy who sought to peer behind the curtain of all of life's mysteries. 
Damn the torpedoes, pedal to the metal. It was about speed and near misses and the brass ring. Once upon a time, Red Genie had given shit about consequences. He had gotten tired of the constant defeats at the hands of local heroes, even Amethyst, and had decided that he needed to stop running solo. He began trying to recruit other young metas and individuals gifted with paranormal abilities. Tried, but that wasn't what he got. A few of his recruits had other talents. To his astonishment, Red found himself surrounded by young men and women who practiced something he hadn't believed in at first. Magic. One had a feeble but growing ability to summon creatures, another could channel and control elements, and a third had the unnerving ability to project her consciousness into another body, animal at first, but then as she got better at it, human. Together, they experimented and came to an odd synergy, at times a real unity, defying the usual boundaries that delineated the realms of summoning, conjuration, elemental control, and outright witchcraft. And Red, fascinated by the new world they showed him, became an enthusiastic participant. He was never actually good at it. He simply did not have the patience nor aptitude for any of their disciplines. Though he was, they had to agree, the most remarkable medium they had ever come across. It began simply enough. Why do the jobs themselves when they could control others? They took risks, crossed some lines they probably shouldn't have, and defied the odds. And soon, they grew bored with petty larceny. They delved deeper, expanding the breadth of their experiments, heady with the excitement brought by power, by knowledge, until there was only hunger for more. It stopped being about the job. It turned into an addiction for experience, and each one had to be bigger, more risky than the last. For Red, his rush came as a willing participant. He became all too familiar with the surge of power as he accepted another consciousness into himself, at the drive and burn of two distinct minds working in perfect unison. He fed from it, adored the synergy right up until the day everything went horribly wrong. Caught up in the fog of transition, he couldn't block the memory out. Though silent, he screamed as he felt her die, her own screams ringing out through the furthest recesses of his mind, falling away as his will smothered hers. He had loved her, and he had killed her. Even now, so many years later, he could still feel her final moments. He wept as he opened his eyes, his hand moving instinctively to wipe away the tears. The hell? His hand hurt. Sharper, yet more diffuse, different. No, it wasn't just his hand. It was everywhere. There was nothing that didn't hurt. So what? You're used to that. No, this was different. Victrix was the rider. He was the submerged consciousness. He shouldn't be able to move at all, to breathe, to smell, or to control anything. And the pain, it overwhelmed him. There was nothing to temper it, no radial senses, nothing from his skin except pain. It was like being partly deaf, yet partly bludgeoned with sound until you bled out of every orifice. 
he sat up in shock and quickly scanned the room. He was half reclining in some kind of chair in the dark, a wall of flickering monitors in front of him. And the biggest cat he had ever seen was glaring down at him from a perch on a desk beside him. Cat? Monitors? He looked down and tore the glove off his hand. He hissed through clenched teeth, horrified by what he saw. Victrix, what have you done? Shit, 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 shit. She knew what had happened. Her team in the Goldwing Catacombs, her watching Red Hurdle deathly over obstacles, and that one unguarded moment, that one instant of stupid, unthinking loss of control. That one phrase... I wish I was you. Magicians could not, could not lose control like that. Especially dared not use the fatal words, I wish. Words were power in the mouth of a mage. Words became spells when you said them with as much longing as she had. She had set in motion something that had only been waiting to pounce. Moron. Idiot. Stupid bitch. Guilt hammered at her. She let it drive her. Guilt was a good substitute for strength and could put a needle-sharp point on will. First things first, a transmutation spell, Ermayan gas into its antidote. Fortunately, she didn't need to know the chemical composition to make an antidote. She just had to tell the gas to become its opposite, using the laws of similarity, opposites, and contagion. Quickly, before the stuff could start to make Red's body dizzy again, she concocted the right set of calculations, set her will at the beginning, and blazed through them to the end, as she focused and controlled as her ill-considered phrase had been vague and reckless. Fiat Nutatio, she whispered, and there was a faint flash of light and a little release of heat as the molecules of gas transmuted. She braced herself as Red's knees buckled. That took a chunk out of both of them. Nothing comes out of nothing. Everything has a price. Transmutation costs in energy. Just a good thing this was a gas, not a lot of mass to transmute. When she thought she could move, she stumbled over to Bella and rooted in her medical kit for the stimulator shots in their preloaded syringes, then went from one to the another of the team, giving them hits in the jugular. Bella first. The clock was ticking. Red stared in morbid fascination at the corded, scarred thing that had been under Victrix's glove. It actually looked a lot more like the hand of something that had died and mummified in the desert than a human hand. It worked all right, but hell, it hurt. In fact, his, her, whole body hurt like that, and everything was damaged, damage that interfered with each movement. There was delay, there was hesitation, but more than anything else, there was a hitch when he tried to move, exactly like rusted machinery, catching and lurching instead of working smoothly, and each lurch causing more pain. No wonder she couldn't run the parkour course. The hell, he muttered. What does something like this? The cat stared coldly at him from the desk. 
That's what happens when you lose a mage duel asshat. It said right into his head. He started. He'd had telepaths in his head before, but never this strong. You want to know what does something like that? Leave someone with third and fourth degree burns from neck to toes? That's what happens when you steal a very nasty magical artifact from your uncle, and he comes after you and finds out you destroyed it. She's just lucky the family intervened, and lucky they know a boatload of magical healers. Red stared at the cat. Family feud? he ventured. Third and fourth degree burns? How do you survive that? The cat snorted. Not that simple. The Najas are hereditary vampire hunters. The thing made you and everyone with you invisible to vampires, so most of the family tried not to think too hard about where it came from. Her father, Alex, wouldn't have anything to do with it, but the Eurotrash branch wasn't so picky. They'd pass it around to whoever was currently on the Fang's hit list, but it was created around the time that Rome fell by murdering ninety-nine children, and the power had to be renewed with the blood of another nine children every eighteen years. Year eighteen was coming up. Vicky stole and destroyed it. The cat hesitated. Well, there's more to the story than that, but that part's not mine to tell. But this is why she's a wreck of a recluse, loathes herself, and has panic attacks, and why she freaks when she thinks someone is going to see what's under all the clothing. This is why she breaks her heart and her neck on a parkour course simpler than the ones she used to fly over as easily as you do. Everything hurts, and what doesn't hurt doesn't work anymore. The cat turned away, then abruptly turned back, glaring at him with icy yellow eyes. And there is only one reason why I don't slit your throat right now and leave her the sole tenant of that very agile, healthy carcass of yours. Why is that? Red croaked. She'd never forgive me. The clock was ticking. When she was as sure as she could be that the rest of the team was going to be all right, Vicky went back to the desk. She toggled Red's private freak back to the Overwatch suite as she stared at the desk, drawing little arcane diagrams on it with her finger to see what answers came up. Talk to me, my friend. Tell me what I need to know. Who can make you give up what I need, and... What does he need to tell you to do it? Gray. Gray, damn it, grow some fingers and take over the calm freaks, she muttered, feeling the mic hidden under the skin of his throat vibrate. We both know you can. Use the damn vocoder app and the keyboard. Keep your fur on, I was doing it, said the Stephen Hawking-like voice in her earpiece. You inflicted me with an unwelcome interloper in here. I know, it was an accident. Put me on speaker, please. Badger? I am sorry. Sorry. This is all my fault. I'll... I'll explain later. She drew a few more diagrams and read the crude answers. Law of Contagion. The desk knew exactly what it needed to release the unit. She just had to ask the right questions. I'll reverse it, but I need to be with you to do it. 
If you can figure out the comms, go ahead and take over. I swear to you, I will recompense you whatever you demand for doing this to you. Ah. The last was because she saw it. Saw how to convince the desk to make the unit come out. She needed to give the desk power in a form it could use. The DNA of the next in succession. And code phrases. Fortunately, she had the next in succession right here. Pride was just beginning to stand up and move. She got him and dragged him back to the desk, taking his right hand and slapping it down onto the invisible, to everyone but her, DNA sampling and recognition scanner. She drew him closer and whispered in his ear, Get your face close to your hand, whisper your name, echo serial number, then say, Protocol Open Sesame. She hissed in his ear as she fed the desk broadcast energy from the portable unit Mel had in her pack to run their tools. Pride looked at her blankly, but finally nodded, and did as he was told. The desk considered these things for a moment. Then there was a little pop of locking mechanisms springing open, and as Pride took his hand away, a panel in the middle of the desk slid back, and something rose up. It wasn't obviously the bizarre communication device Vicky had seen before, but she recognized parts of it, folded down flat, the whole of it making a transportable object about the size of the Oxford English Dictionary. The code words that the desk had revealed to her had made the desk prepare the communicator for transportation. She hefted it. It didn't weigh too much. Ramona could pack it out. She stowed it in the backpack they had brought for the purpose and dropped it next to the detective, then scooped up a second pack, because they were going to have to make this look like they'd come for something else. She made a dash into the shelves, scooping up small things that looked valuable or dangerous. And then she saw something that made her heart race. She knew what they were. Little self-contained camera units and spears about the size of a golf ball. But they were in a box marked anti-grab self-propelled camera sensor units, vertigree dynamics, with a sticker slapped next to the label that said, not yet working as designed. Of course they weren't. Only the Thulians had anti-grab at the moment. But she had levitation. She dumped the whole box into her pack and came sprinting back to the others. They were all on their feet now, if a bit unsteady. Come on, people, she said in an urgent growl. Get with the looting. Guns, experimental ammo, armor, whatever you can carry without compromising maneuverability. Next wave will be here any minute. Bella stared at her, slightly unfocused, then did a double take. You're not. Vicky made a shushing motion. Explain later. Move now. She looked frantically around her for a weapon. A non-lethal weapon. And then she saw it. About the size and length of a broom handle, but echo nanofiber. A little shorter than a quarterstaff, but that would make it easier to use in a corridor. And in her hands, lethal or non-lethal as she chose. She seized it and started herding the others out. Well, this should help confuse things. Red Genie's not a staff-fighting expert as far as I know. Red stared at the monitors and watched his team scramble to fill their pockets with anything small and important-looking. 
Through Bella's cam, he saw Mel pause and pick up an energy rifle. From time to time, he glanced at the cat, Gray, as Victrix had called him, who stared back, his luminescent eyes fixed in an angry glare. He had heard Vicky's apology. It was my own damn stupid fault and no excuses. I said I wished I was you. I know better. I knew better, and I'm not going to say it just slipped out. I screwed up, but we both got bit in the ass. Whatever it takes to make this right with you, I will do. He had not answered. The cat bared its fangs. In case you haven't figured it out, no magician with any sense or morals ever says, I wish. A mage uses words like tools. Saying the words makes a spell. That's where the term enchantment comes from. She screwed up. That spell was just sitting there, lurking, waiting for her to do something that would make it come home. Now, she's just created another spell, this time on purpose. She's just bound herself to do whatever it is you want, however much it costs her, to make this right with you. No term limits. No time limits. It doesn't end until you say, now I'm satisfied. I hope you'll appreciate that. Because if you don't... The cat showed a little more fang. Red ignored him and brought Vicky's hand up, forcing himself not to cringe as he painfully balled up her fingers into a fist. She's lived with this for how long? he asked. Four years. Almost five. And this is what keeps her here in this little room, Red mused. Of course, only four years. Not exactly. A lot of psychological damage, too. Panic attacks, especially fear of crowds and strangers. Fear they'll see the scars. Well, yeah, duh. Red reached down, picked up Vicky's glove, and put it on. Jesus, he said finally. I had no idea. Nobody does but me. Hiding is something she's good at. Well, yes, hiding that would come first, Red mused, closing his eyes and leaning back. But not forever. She... His eyes snapped open, and he turned to Gray. Has she given up? For a while. The Nazis changed that. The cat licked its whiskers. It might have been the best thing to happen to her in four years, if you ask me. A wake-up call, yeah. A lot of that going around. The cat turned its attention to the monitors. Oh, look at that. That's my girl. That's my little warrior. The team had gathered up the loot and gotten their behinds in motion while he and the cat had been staring at each other. And they had just run into the second wave of Echo Guards. Vicky, Red, had jumped right into the middle of them and was laying out the guards with some very pretty quarterstaff work. The school she went to doesn't turn out pasty-faced Dungeons and Dragons wannabe mages, 
Mens sana incorpore sano. The Saint Rianne in school demands physical ability to support the magical ability, or can be marksmanship, martial arts, parkour, anything that works the body out. She always loved the physical side, especially the fighting the weapons. Any martial art. Maybe because she's so short, you know, compensation. Yeah, yeah, Red nodded, watching himself move on the monitors. She's good. Plenty of training. Experience. I see it. It's all there. So why can't she do that all the time? Well, try standing up and walking around, dipshit. Red obliged and rose to his feet. He felt the muscles scrape across themselves, her skin screaming protest at the slightest movement. He took a tentative step, then another, noting the fire that seemed to erupt from every limb. He arched his back, then bent forward. More pain. It was considerable, he had to admit, but familiar. Now do something fast and see what happens. The cat cocked its head to the side. Red turned to look at Gray, his stance relaxed and still. The next moment, he held the cat by its throat. Vicky's body erupted in pain, but more than that, it didn't move as he would have expected, and he grunted from the shock. Gray hissed, wriggled free, and leapt away. Asshat. I'd have bit you if it hadn't been her body you're wearing. Did you feel that? Everything lurching sideways and twisted. Red returned to his seat, deep in thought. Sure, he said finally. Nothing that can't be compensated for eventually. It's still all there. She's got the goods. She needs to see that. Exactly. But she's never had anyone to show her how. You've got to be in there to understand what doesn't work right and what can be fixed by specific exercises, what you can stretch out and what you can't. She's a mage and a fighter and a computer wizard. A physical therapist. She ain't. Red pointed to the monitors. Look at her. You can't see it, you walking set of fiddle strings, but she's still in pain. That's my skin she's wearing now, and it's not a picnic. But look at her. He motioned as Vicky delivered a devastating roundhouse kick, transitioning to a smooth leg sweep, felling two more guards. She's still got it. It's not the body. There's something else in her way. Don't look at me. I'm a cat, not a shrink. Red glanced at Gray, then turned back to the monitors and watched.